What's going on, everybody? Welcome to yet another edition of Having Said That with Landry Griffith. I am your host, as you probably have guessed by now, Mr. Landry Griffith. Um, We are a proud member of LMK Productions. Check out my boy Mark Youngblood every Thursday with a Pick 4 podcast. If, If you haven't listened by now, please go do it. You're missing out. Me, him, and Ty King, and then our buddy JP, who's like our uh, our extra member of LMK. He uh, we did a fun episode that released uh, on the sixteenth of September, so about two weeks ago. That was hilarious. It was a let me know or let y'all know. So people emailed in questions to Mark, and we helped figure out life's problems with the four of us being drunk and stupid. So it was a hilarious listen. Trust me, give it all the way to the end. It gets a little long, but it's hilarious. Um, be sure to check out our boy Ty King every Friday with the win, loser tie. That guy is killing it over there with what he's doing. We actually have sponsors now for this show, like legitimate sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Zelensky Auto Parts. I make car parts for the American man because that's who I am and that's who I care about. Zelensky Auto Parts. Do you have a clue what that is? None. Awesome. It's real. <laughs> All right. So, we got a very special guest in the house today. We have a official, legitimate, professional uh, publisher. What's the word for this? Published author. Published author in the studio a dear friend of ours, Miss Chanel Torres, is in the house today. Chanel, what's up? Hello. So, <laughs> Chanel, for those of you that don't know, is about to be uh, the unfortunate Mrs. Dylan Griffin. <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> unfortunate. Wow. Uh, that's hilarious. So, that's how you and I met. You've been with Dylan for quite a while, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a little over 10 years. I'm going to tell you why I think that here a little bit. Um so that's how we met. I want you to go like kind of introduce yourself here in a second and, and how you came to Lubbock from where you're from, how you met Dylan, all that kind of stuff. Just so people have like an understanding. Most of these listeners at least know who Dylan is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to go into the, the book that you've just recently published, uh, where we can find it, kind of what it's about, um, creative juices. I've got about a thousand questions lined up for you. I'm here for it. And you are actually going to be the first contestant of a game that I am now starting called Having Them Say That. Okay. Okay. So, um, before you kind of introduce yourself, uh, we're all, unfortunately, and if it hasn't happened to you yet, most likely it'll happen to each and every person on the face of the earth at some point in our lives. It's the unfortunate side effect of dealing with tragedy. Um, everybody has to deal with the tragedy one way or the other. Um, some of us have been blessed to go this far in our lives without something that's completely life altering and life changing. Some people have been dealt a pretty shitty hand and dealt with multiple tragedies in their life. Um, it's just all how the kind of the cards were dealt. Having said that, I think that the way that we deal with our grief, deal with our tragedy really helps the grieving process and how we're able to, um, deal with it on a day-to-day basis, um, which is why I wanted you in the studio to kind of discuss um, the book, what you've dealt with, uh, how you decided to be able to to d- 
deal with the everyday grief that you're having to go through. Right. So before we get that started, tell us who the hell you are. So I'm, I'm Chanel. Thank you for that introduction. I'm from Dodge City, Kansas, and I actually met Dylan in Dodge City. He was playing uh, summer baseball. That's right. That's yeah. right. And we had uh, some friends that were similar, met up through them, and... He basically just started talking and uh, didn't stop talking. And then we started dating, and here we are. I remember, and the re- how long have y'all been officially dating? Has it been right around 10 years? It's been 10 years. A little he over, proposed right? on our 10 year anniversary. Oh, okay. Good call, Dylan. <laughs> I kept talking to him multiple times, kind of behind your back, and I was like, dude, all right, I get it. Like, everybody goes at their own pace. Clearly, y'all are happy and content with what's going on, but it's time, man. We're yeah. all married. It's you're the only one left that's not like I get like y'all been together longer than me and Cassandra have. You've mm-hmm. been together longer than David and Ashley have. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not married yet. And I kept telling him, like, when's it coming? He's like, oh, dude, don't worry about it. I got something brewing. Yeah. But I knew because I used to live with Dylan and David mm-hmm. um, over in Linwood Townhomes right around 10 years ago. And I, I just that's know it was I around that you. time because that's whenever I started dating Cassandra. But I remember that's when y'all started dating because I remember Dylan leaving for four or five days to go to Kansas. I, I don't know if that was like when y'all were officially started dating. So I know y'all kind of had talked back and forth. He was in Kansas. I don't know like if he had ever come down here. I don't know the whole story. I don't want to bore people with that. But I do remember whenever I was living with Dylan is when y'all officially started dating. That's right. So actually, it was a little bit before. We weren't dating yet when I first met you. Okay. And then kind when, of the feelers. Yeah. Okay. Then what you were talking about when he came to see me, we had officially started okay. to date. Okay. Well, I just like, I'll never forget like the way that he spoke about you before I met you. I was like, dude, I got to go down there. She's like the coolest girl. She's beautiful. We talk all the time. We click this and that. So seeing y'all's relationship grow to what it is is so cool. It is so cool. And he's, he's pretty awesome. He's, he's my ride or die. Absolutely. (laughs) I I was describing Dylan to a buddy of mine who also knows Dylan, who's Mark from the Pickford Pocket. I don't know if you've ever met Mark or not. Uh, You probably have met him. I don't know. It doesn't matter if you have or not. But anyways, we were talking about Dylan and I was describing Dylan on a podcast we did with Mark, me, him and Ty did about, uh, it's like a baseball theme pick four. So high school situations got brought up with baseball. Obviously Dylan did. Um, and I said the best way that I think you could describe Dylan is that he's probably the one of, if not the most loyal people I've ever met in my life. Um, when you first meet Dylan, you either love Dylan Griffin or you hate Dylan Griffin, and there's no in-between with him. But for those people that don't know him, clearly, or that like may not like him, or the ones that don't know him, because I've never, ever met anybody that got to know Dylan that didn't just fall in love with Dylan. That's right? right. Yeah, That's a pretty good biggest, description. He has the biggest heart, and he is very, very loyal to He's as loyal people. as they get. I mean, I don't hang out with Dylan all the time, but every time I text Dylan, 100% of the time, he responds within about three minutes. Yeah, he's a good, he's he really a good is. responder. He's a, he's a good guy. So <laughs> congratulations on that. So Thank you, you. you. From Dodge City. Dodge City is where they did Last Chance You for a couple episodes, right? That's Garden City, and that's our... Ah, maybe they played Dodge City in a that's game. That's right. Yeah, because okay. we're rivals. Okay, Dodge City and Garden was. City. I remember watching that and seeing Dodge City. I was like, I'm almost positive that's where Chanel's from, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it's about 50 miles away, Garden City to Dodge okay. City. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. So, move to Lubbock, get established here in town. Um, 
everything's going fine. Recently on Facebook, you posted this uh, Facebook post. You said my book is now published called Until We Meet Again. Um, go find it, I think, on Amazon, wherever all the stuff is, and we'll get to where people can find it here in a minute. Um, what exactly is the book about? What, and then I want to get to what inspired you to write it, so on and so forth. Okay. So uh, a couple of years ago, my brother passed away. He was murdered, and I took to writing about my grief, and um, I made this book. I didn't originally have plans to publish a book that it was, was gonna be my first question it was mainly just for me to process my grief like an outlet for you it was totally an outlet and also i didn't want to forget because mm. it's it kind of sounds morbid to re- try and remember these awful times sure. but also it was moments with terrell and with my family that i didn't want to forget because it felt like another loss in itself. Sure, sure. And, and like you said, in whatever you had to go with, with the with the, the grueling process of what happened from the day you got the phone call to the day that the day that he passed was it's it's probably the best way to describe it. it's memories you wish you could forget, but memories you hope you hold on to forever. That's still part of your story in life and mm-hmm. your family story and Terrell's story. That's right. Right. And, I, and you, you can't you can't let that go without being able to share that with others. Exactly. So, Especially now that I, I've been able to clear my head about it a little bit, um, I've realized that I want to share it. I knew that pretty pretty soon afterwards, but, did you know, you know you're grieving. You're saying you, you knew, so did you know that you wanted to share via writing, or you just knew something? I want to share his story one way or the other. I don't know what it is yet. One way or the other, I wanted to do it through my art, through, I mean, just getting... I, there's a page for Terrell that I made. And I think I talk about it in, in the book. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share him any way that I could. Because, like your Facebook page? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I created that Facebook page. It's called In Memory of Terrell. And mm. it's mainly people that knew him that yeah. are included in it. Um, but anybody could join it. But I just wanted to share everything that I could. Because I think it made me feel like he, I was... Like he was still alive. He's yeah. His memory's still gonna live on. Right. I think that's so important too. In when you deal with death and family members dying and stuff, I I can't speak to this personally. Um, fortunately enough, I've made it this far without losing anyone real close to me. I've I've lost grandparents, but we weren't super close. Um, but I would assume one of the biggest fears is you, you think that people won't remember them. You know, life has to go on, obviously. You have to continue your life and your journey. Um, but I would imagine one of the biggest fears is, are people going to forget them? Or when I die, are people, how long is it going to take for, for people to forget who I am or, and what I stood for and so on and so forth? So I, I think you did a phenomenal, phenomenal job on representing that in this book. Thank you so much. Yeah, I I don't know if I ever think of myself passing. That's a really scary thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and if people will remember me, but it definitely played a huge part with Terrell passing tragically. I mean, it just really turns your whole world upside down when something like this Absolutely. happens. Absolutely. So before we talk about anything else is tell me tell me who Terrell is. Like give me a little bit of what he was doing in California where all this happened. Like, tell me, let let us learn who he is. So Terrell is my younger brother. Um, Out of 
five other siblings. Okay. And um, he was in California pursuing his career in music. Okay. He had been doing it for the past 10 years. So he passed in 2019. So for the 10 years prior to that, he had been pursuing it and working really hard. And he passed right before he was actually going to release his first album. (sighs) And I talk about that in the book as well. Mm -hmm. And all of the connections and coincidences that are just too spiritual to even Absolutely. wrap your brain around. Mm. And um, yeah, he was super artistic and super funny. He made me laugh all the time. So he's just kind of the class clown of the siblings between me and my two brothers. He was the one who always got away with everything. Because and of his personality? Because it's of like his personality. You can't stay mad at him for very long. <laughs> no, he would get grounded and be grounded, and then he would make my mom laugh and be like, so I can go play now, right? And that's she's hilarious. like, yeah, that's fine. What's the age difference between the two of you? Three years. Oh, okay, so y'all grew up super close. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're in Dodge City? Yes. So he might have gone from small town Podunk Dodge City all the way to Sacramento, California. Yes, so he... Um, originally, like right after high school, he stayed in Dodge and he worked for my aunt and then he moved to Kentucky to be with one of his friends to be closer to them. And that friend was a basketball player and that basketball player moved to Sacramento, or actually wasn't Sacramento, it was, um, well, shoot, I can't remember the name. It was around Sacramento. It was around Sacramento, it had to have been. Yeah. Anyways, he followed that person into California. And then do the California thing. Yeah. I have so much respect for people that do that. I'm from Lubbock. I've been in Lubbock my whole life. I lived for a very short stint, a little less than a year in in shithole New Mexico. And it was like the worst thing. I had to do it. Um, but I couldn't have got back to Lubbock soon enough. But when I hear of people that like get to leave to go to other places, it's really cool that he had the balls to do that. Like. Mm-hmm. You leave everything you know, you leave everybody you know to the great unknown. I mean, you're talking, how much, what's the population of Dodge City? 30,000. 30,000 to California, right on the coast. You know, you got L.A., San Francisco, Sacramento. All those places are kind of right there together. What a culture shock he must have been facing. Definitely. Did he do it to pursue his music, or was that something he discovered when he was down in California? No, he did it to pursue his music. Yeah, Um it was definitely a career move, and he was serious about it. I mean, he woke up and did that. I mean, that kid was eat, sleep, and drink music. Oh yeah, definitely. Rapping. Yeah, rapping. I okay. mean, I had. He would call himself a lyricist. Okay. So that's why every time you say rapping, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to say that. Okay. I mean, he was a rapper, but sure. he called himself a lyricist, and he has this little sing-songy thing that he does too. I like With when his... you do that, like, okay, so hip-hop is a thing. Maybe he's, like, more of a hip-hop type artist is what I'm thinking of instead of rapping. But when you can do that, but you can also throw in some singing and, like, let people hear your your singing voice, I think is one of the coolest things in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a very melodic tone, and it's super recognizable mm-hmm. whenever we listen to the music later, which we are for sure going to do. Absolutely. Um, You'll definitely know. That's awesome. Which one is him? So Terrell, T E R R E L L, but it's spelled Terrell. You told me like turkey. <laughs> yes, Terrell. 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 Yeah. Well, last name? Brown. Terrell Brown. Okay, y'all, y'all remember that name? I think that's a name that needs to be stuck in everybody's minds. Definitely. I I want his name to just 
permeate throughout the world. Well, when you're when when I was reading this book over the last week, um, and essentially what this book is for the listeners who are curious is from the moment you got the phone call until the moment of the memorial and everything that lasted in between. Right, that's a yep. pretty way, good way to describe it, and kind of what you dealt with, what your mother dealt with, what some of his close friends dealt with in the whole process of. I was cleaning a house, doing my job, and everything was fine. And then in a matter of a split second, my life was turned upside down. Um, but in your book, you I think you did a fantastic job on describing on who he was. Um, I felt like I could picture him. I haven't even seen a picture of him yet. Um, but I felt like I could imagine what he looks like with the way you described his his braids or his dress, whatever. whatever I don't know. What, yeah, his what, twists. His yeah. twists. Um kind of who he was as a person um clearly he touched so many hearts whenever you were talking there towards the end and people kind of falling in the icu room icu room one by one by one by one by one like what a great moment that would have been for you and your mother and i believe your brother was there again Mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken to see how many lives were able to touch as human beings uh, and probably without realizing it yeah those moments were really important too more than we ever thought because in those moments, you think that you need your family around you and only your family. Mm-hmm. And that's true. That is true. But also, having Terrell's friends around really energized yeah. everyone. Yep. And it truly felt like a piece of him was within every, every single, single person. person. Wow. I believe that, too. I, f- I felt like as I was reading this, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I felt like... I knew I've known him my whole life. You did such a great job on portraying that. And I could just tell by the way that you spoke about him. But not only that is the big sister, like, of course, you're going to be biased towards your little brother. Right. But the the way you talked about how his friends would pile in and stuff like clearly he, he's just a wonderful human being who the light of the party, you know, the guy you can turn to to laugh about and stuff. I just think that's so cool. But just the reason I say that and I'm not telling you anything you don't know is you did a great job of representing that in this book. Thank you. Um, it's probably easy for you to look at that and see that, but that's because you know who you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, for someone that doesn't have a clue that never got a chance to meet him, I feel like I know him. Well, when I wrote it, I I was writing it just pouring my heart out. Absolutely. And so when I've read it, which I've read it several times back for editing purposes, reviewing purposes, but also just to read it mm-hmm. and remember it, um, I have realized that I feel those exact feelings all over again and i hope that when other people read it that they feel those feelings too because i feel like they just are that powerful they got me because of how i wrote it there was multiple times i was reading where i I just went oh my god and like cassandra would look at me like what's going on i was like nothing i'm just reading the book or i'd get chills there's a couple times i had to close the book for a little bit and Mm -hmm. just kind of take a couple breaths um same for me when i was actually Writing, writing it, I book. had to stop sometimes. Right, I think that's a, a really good thing when you're when you're doing something any sort of artistic and like I'm going to use this as an example because that's what we have right in front of us. Is I, like I'm not considering what I'm doing as a form of art, but it is a cre- form of creativity, right? Yes. What I'm talking about is podcasting. Um, there is a certain element and a trick that you have to do in order to keep 
listeners, readers, whatever it is, engaged to make them feel like they're a part of this conversation, right? Um, I hope when people listen, they could feel like they could easily jump into the conversation. And that's what I look for in podcasts when I'm listening to Armchair or listening to Joe Rogan and so on and so forth, Meat Eater and all these ones that I like to listen to as well. Um, I like to feel like I could be a part of that conversation. I felt reading this book that I was a part of your story, um, which can't have been easy to do. Um, so the, what I'm going to ask now is prior to you deciding to write this book, did you write prior to that or do you journal? Do you do poetry? Yes, I have attempted to write several books prior to this that just okay. did they petered, fell by the wayside. Yeah, they yeah. petered out, yeah. but I've, I think I have like three books under my belt really? that are not finished but have started i hope this inspires you to finish some of them oh man i mean one of <laughs> so them i started dreamed. writing when i was 14 and to be quite <laughs> honest awesome. it was smut <laughs> that's awesome oh that's um, awesome and i don't have that anymore that one i actually wrote down and i'm pretty sure my mom confiscated it she read it it's like nope nope not absolutely happening. not, not you're grounded i'm not telling your dad <laughs> um but yeah i, I have since I was probably 11, I've journaled and that's how I've expressed myself and gotten out all my anxiety and mm. sadness and rage. And, um, so you talk about journaling, um, someone who is on this a while back, who's a big advocate for journaling for the exact same reasons you just described as Ty King. Um, he journals a lot too. Um, is that something you just started doing or did like someone like did something happen in your childhood? Like, Hey, I think you should start writing this down. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. And I can't remember that anybody told me or instructed me to do it. I just, it just did it. That's funny. So my son is seven. Uh, when he was six, I remember, uh, he's being a little turd. So I sent him to his room and then I went in there 10 minutes later or so to kind of calm him down, give him a hug. Let's talk about what just happened. He just handed me a piece of paper and wouldn't look at me, so I read it, and I kept the paper. I need to show you here in a little bit. I saw it earlier. He was mad at me still because the paper that he wrote on said, you won't let me tell mom something, okay? Because he was mad, throwing a fit, he wanted to tell something to Cassandra. I was like, no, go to your room. So when I read that, I was like, how does a six-year-old kid know that he was upset about whatever it was that was, you know, for six-year-old, that's the end of the world at the time, right? To get a piece of paper and a pen and to be able to write down his feelings right there. Like, you can't teach that. I mean, you can't teach it, but I feel like a six-year-old, he just knew, I have something on my mind and I want to get it off of my chest. Yeah, and I can't say it to you. Right. I don't feel like I can say it to you without right. being super emotional. Is, that's how I feel. That's and really that's, cool. That's sometimes, I'm better at writing things down than I am verbalizing verbalizing it mm-hmm. and sometimes like in within my relationship that will kind of get me in trouble because when dylan wants to talk he wants to talk in the in the heat of the moment he wants to get it over with i'm the same way dylan and i don't you want to like i want to process it i want to process this it's the same way you and are. i want to figure out how to say this without saying really hurtful things and calm our levels down like so I have done that since I was young. I have I have thought to myself, I'm really upset right now, and I just want to be by myself, and mm-hmm. I want to figure out how I really feel about this and get it squared away. It's so good. I feel like you're very in touch with your emotions, 
uh, I think that's such an important thing that I personally struggle with on a day-to-day basis. Um, unfortunately, I, I, I can bottle shit in with the best of them, but I'm not very good about expressing emotions, and that's happiness, sadness, anger. It doesn't matter. I'm kind of here with flat affect a lot, and I know that that's not healthy for me. You found your... Um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but, you know, your... Outlet. Thank you. Your outlet at a very young age. Are you still journaling to this day? I still do it. I don't do it as often as I should. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I still do it. Did you keep all your journals? Yeah. You have them from when you started doing Mm -hmm. it? That is so cool. I mean, my mom has the ones from when I was really, really young, but probably from 16 on, Uh, I have those journals. You ever read them? Yeah, and sometimes I'm like, man, I was doing stuff that I should have been doing. <laughs> it's so funny that <laughs> the people we were to the people we are. I wish that like I could have done that just so I can like relive life. Like I get as weird as it is. Like I li- sometimes I watch like reality TV, and I'm like, man, like it sucks. But like they've been able to journal their life on video. I wish I could relive my life and watch it on video, or maybe I should have just wrote stuff down. I've dabbled a little bit with uh, not journaling. I don't know. I don't know what the the term would be. I'd have to really understand poetry to understand. But I've wrote some things before. I say write. I've typed some things on my phone. Where most of them, I've done three or four of them that I that I've. It's about my wife. Um, just like feelings that I'm having at that time, and like like something just strikes a chord, and so like I kind of. I guess poetry would be the best way to do it. I don't know what the rules are with poetry. Written word. I guess then it's poetry. Like yeah. Um, one, I remember I was sitting in the third seat of the car because when we were on a vacation, I was sitting in the very back. And so like I, I wrote kind of what I was feeling at that moment. I've done a couple on how she makes me feel. Like it's kind of cool. And whenever I do it, I feel really good about it, right? I, I always send them to Cassandra a couple days. I always start the text with, I'm about to send you something. You're not allowed to judge it. Because like obviously we're all very hard on ourselves, right? And like that's not something I'm comfortable with doing because I'm not, great at it but here's something i was feeling i want you to read this and every time she's like oh my god like that's the sweetest thing i've ever read in my life but it, it's got to be a cool outlet and able to 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 get this out right yep um and just really quickly how you feel when you said i don't want you to judge this yeah. about your writing mm-hmm. it's how i feel about when i am speaking when i haven't processed something right I feel like you're going to judge me for something that I'm feeling in the moment. Right. And if I feel totally comfortable writing it to you, I don't have that qualm at all. Right. If I send Dylan something I've written, I'm yeah. totally comfortable with it just being an open expression of of what I have been thinking because I know wow. I've thought about it for a long time. Have you ever, uh, do y'all ever send texts or y'all, have you ever like typed up an entire text and then deleted it and felt better? Yeah, I've I know also that's written it down and thrown it in and the then trash. chunked it. But you felt better from doing. It. I know that's very therapeutic. Uh, I won't get into detail, but I, there has been a counselor that we knew as a family who who said you should do that for certain reasons. Um, I can't tell you how many times Cassandra and I have been in an argument, and unfortunately, sometimes it's easier for us to text the way we're feeling it is to speak it face to face. But for a lot of the same reason that you're talking about, but. There's been plenty of times where I've typed something, read it, felt really good about what I said emotionally, deleted the whole thing and never sent it. 
and maybe change my words up a little bit because you got to watch the tone and stuff. But I do know for sure that that's just putting a pen to paper or our technology we have as a thumb to phone, but it's the same idea, right? Just getting it out can make you feel way better without ever letting anyone see it, read it, whatever it is, right? Yeah, I've had a counselor tell me that that that's the emotional trash or junk that's in your heart that right. you don't need. It's basically poison. You just got to get it out of you Jesus and you'll Christ. feel better. You could not have expressed that in any better way. Get that out of your body. You gotta get you'll it out. You'll feel better and then you probably never think about it again. Yeah. That's fantastic. Except for you're talking about texting it and then erasing it. That gives me anxiety because my... <laughs> you saw the dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, my dumb ass would be like accidentally send it. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. This is like way off topic, but I don't care because it's a huge funny. Fight. So years and years and years ago when Cassandra and I very first started dating, which is almost the exact same time you and Dylan started dating. Y'all were y'all have like a, a couple months ahead of us, right? We now are officially dating. Anyways, that none of anything. So it's how long ago it Wait, was. Wait, y'all started dating in 2011? Uh, let's say we got married in 13, yeah, in 2011. Okay, you started dating. Okay, I got you. I, when I was living with Dylan and David, it was Cassandra and I first started dating. Okay. Um, and it was towards the end of our lease going up. Okay. So, Cassandra had these two friends from work. I'm not going to say names, okay? Not that it matters because they probably don't listen either way. They were all three best friends. And then one of them, they got to know her true colors, right? So, Cassandra is still very, even to this day, very good friends with one. One, on the other hand, that relationship fizzled out, Right. Anyway, so we're sitting at Fuzzy's having some cocktails after work one day and something got brought up about this person. And so the friend that Cassandra's still with today, we'll just call her Kay, okay? So Kay shows me this text. She's like, hey, her and I got into it one day. This was a text I was going to send, but I never did. But she still had it. This is from like a year prior. Like she typed it up, but she never deleted it. But it was still like in the queue of the text. And it was like, it's a pretty harsh text. But it was probably something this other girl needed to hear, right? But they're like, they had all moved, they all hated each other's guts. But there's no more bad blood. Like, let's just move on from the friendship. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She handed me the text. I'm reading it. And I swear to God, it was a complete accident. I would never do this to anybody, but I hit the send button as I was handing Kay the phone back. Yeah, it was just muscle memory. Oh my God. I'll never forget because I told her, I was like, I just sent that. And like her and Cassandra kind of start laughing. I was like, no, like the send button has been pushed. Why would you save that text for an entire year? Why didn't you copy it and put it in your notes? Exactly. Like, see, it's not my fault, right? But I'll never forget that it was the funniest thing because then within probably 30 seconds, this other person responded back to her. So it's like, now I opened up a can of worms where they both learned to like, hey, I know we've worked together, but we can just be civil with each other, but we don't have to be friends, but it is what it is. And then all hell broke loose between the two of them all over again like it had been a year prior. And that girl said some of the most fucked up things I've ever seen that she sent to Kay. And I was like, oh my God, no wonder y'all hate this girl. Like that was the nastiest thing I've ever seen. But I felt super guilty. Like I still can't forgive myself for sin. That is so funny. Yeah, you just so you're talking about giving yourself anxiety. Like yeah. you can't you can't hit sin on that stuff. So maybe it is better just to write it with a piece of paper and throw it in trash. Yeah. My counselor actually had me rip it up, which is also very therapeutic. So no. Oh. The aggression Probably just like feels it. good. Like yeah. if you're punching a punching bag or something. Mm-hmm. 
Some people, I like that. Some people light it on fire, but mm. that didn't feel very safe to me. So did I you just, ever? Have you ever tried that? No. You're just ripping. No. Okay, fair enough. Ripping. Safe first. Safe first. <laughs> um. So you, the next question I had was: Is had you have you thought about writing other stuff? But you have other stuff kind of started. So when you published this book, um, you started writing. Okay, okay. Let me let me backtrack. I'm getting ahead of myself. When you started writing down, and, and I, I don't know for sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, was some of the stuff that you were doing for the book until we meet again, journaling your, like a chronological thing, and then you decided maybe I can turn this into a book. Is that how it happened? Yeah, that's exactly how it happened. I actually was doing it by date because okay. I was trying to remember each and every one of the nurses mm. because they were so important to me. I oh, didn't, you just gave me goosebumps. I didn't want to forget their names because... I just got goosebumps up my leg. Yeah. <laughs> and and unfortunately, those names have fled my brain except for the la- two of two of the last ones. That's okay. The last well. days, Heather and Quinn, Quinn or Quincy, either way, they were phenomenal all of them were and at one point or another they made a huge impact on me personally, not just on Terrell and taking care of him and being vigilant with him even though he was Yeah, yeah basically brain dead that mm-hmm. whole time well the reason i said you just gave me chills is you know what i do i'm a nurse mm-hmm. um just recently within the last two and a half months i've actually moved into the icu um and a lot of what we take probably the majority of the patients we have now are neuro patients so as you were reading or excuse me as i was reading your words it really struck home uh, for me personally because I pictured myself as Terrell's nurse. Um, some some lessons I feel like I could learn from some of the stuff you did, good and bad. Right? I feel like, and I always say this, like at the hospital I was working to prior to the one I am now, one of the bigger ones here in town, but it was a very small hospital in town. So we have a lot of the same patients who just cycle through that door over and over and over. So over six years, I've gotten to know a lot of these patients by first name. Um, some of them, I recognize their face. Some of them, when I see them in the hall or walk into the room, like, what's up, Landry? I'm like, oh, hey, how have you been? I don't have a fucking clue who they are, right? But yeah. you, there is an art to pretend and you know who someone is. But the reason I say that is there's a few that I remember as soon as I see their faces, right? I remember them by first name. So you said you remember Heather and you remember uh, Quinn. Quinn. We'll call it Quinn. I feel like in life you remember people that touch you for the good and the bad, right? Like if you had some really shitty nursing care, if Terrell did and you and your mom had to deal with that, then you would remember their first name. There's no doubt in my mind. And then the ones who are exceptional, you remember. The other ones, the fact that you can't remember their name is not a bad thing, but you know that the ones that helped take care of your brother in the time that y'all were there, the fact that you don't remember their names, I think is a good sign because that means they didn't treat your brother with disrespect. You know, like that's our job as nurses. Our job is to help with the patient and a really good nurse who takes her job very serious knows that there's an art form into taking care of the family as well. Um, so I'm glad you got to experience good stuff. This is on my notes to talk about later on, but since we're talking about it, I wanted to bring something up to you, and I believe it was Terrell's dad, mm-hmm. who I'm assuming is not your dad, right? No, okay. we all have different dads. Okay. So, but you and Terrell's dad, his name is? Eric. Eric. You mentioned something, and I, I think it was more towards Eric, and I want this to have some peace of mind towards him, but maybe to you too. I couldn't tell by the way it was portrayed if it affected you as much as it affected Eric. There was a moment that um, 
they had to do the neurological assessment and exam and they did it in front of y'all so and you did great i don't know if you study these words or just by knowing with posturing withdrawing from pain to corticate to cerebent gag reflex and stuff like that did you research that or is it just from what you learned in the hospital that's what i learned i phenomenal just job took it in attention because this is all new to me dealing with neuro patients on ventilators but like you said when they would go under the nail bed that's the first thing we do did they get a pin or a tube and do that or did they do it with their hands did you even pay attention it was their hands i believe yeah. a yeah. lot of times what we do if we can't get with the pins you know like the tubes that we draw blood in mm-hmm. you do that and you push right here because you can get a little bit more pressure here than I can with my fingernail. Um, but withdrawing from pain. So if I push on your nail bed right now, you're going to jerk your hand back because your brain's saying, hey, don't do that. That's a good sign. Uh, posturing, like you know, and you mentioned it in the, in the book, is a sign of pretty severe brain damage. Um, and people who don't know, I, I challenge you just so you know what we're talking about is posturing. Just Google it. There's decorticate and decerebate. There are two different types of posturing. Either way, posturing's bad and then when you they talked about like you thought they were pushing the tube down his throat there's a there's a line inside of his tube that is meant to suction out that's about this long that goes down into the lungs to suction out secretion so that's what they were doing when they were pushing that in to see if he was going to start getting he should have coughed right mm-hmm. the whole reason i bring that up is um and i felt like eric was probably more upset than you were you felt angry. like it was a show for one, we have to do that at least once a shift, right? So at least every 12 hours, you have to get your assessment as soon as you walk in so you know that if your patient is either digressing, staying the same, or getting better, right? I think one of the hardest parts about being a nurse, and I'm learning it more and more in the ICU, is making sure that a family member understands the severity of what we see all day every day. Um, where you have never seen anything like this before. So when that way, when doctors come in and saying, hey, this is where we are, this and that, it makes more sense to you, to the mom, to the dad, to the spouse, whatever it is, that, hey, they did this assessment and explained things to me to where, although I may not have wanted to see it, I needed to. I know what it is. So I think, and I don't know the, the situation with that specific nurse. Maybe there wasn't compassion, and if there wasn't, that's super sad. Um but when they were doing the full-blown assessment of pushing on nail beds, did they grab the traps or his nipples or a sternal rub? No, it was his thumb, mm-hmm. then it was toes, mm-hmm. and then it was... The gag reflex? Yep, and then also the eyes, mm-hmm. the dilation of yeah. the pupils, yep. which his were... I forgot, disconjugate? Yep, great. And then, you did phenomenal with that word, too. I and like. then... The Q-tip up the nose. Yep. That's those are the things. And a lot of times, what we have to do if 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 we if we mess with the fingertips or the toes and you get no response, the next move is before you just start charting something like that, you do a trap squeeze. If I were to squeeze you right now on your trap, you're going to get pissed off. And the idea is for the opposite side of your body. So if I'm squeezing your right trap, your left hand should go above the shoulder to pull away from that. You're not going to pull away right here, but you're going to come across right. Mm-hmm. Um, if that doesn't work, we'll either get your knuckle and rub it in the sternum or grab someone's nipples and twist them because I don't care how hard you're sleeping. If you get a purple nurple, it's going to hurt, right? You're going to have a reflex. Exactly. Um, Like I said, I don't know the situation because I wasn't there with that specific nurse, but I I just, when I was reading that to a lay person who's not familiar with the medical field, I personally don't feel like it was that person just like, hey, look at this shit. It could have been. 
but it was a lot of, hey, this is what we're dealing with. We had to, They were going to do that whether y'all were in the room or not. You have to do that at the beginning of your shift, right? You right. need to know what's going on. And then PRN, which is like an, on an as-needed basis. If we see think there's a level of consciousness, consciousness change, we need to assess to see what was going on. So... Me personally, I probably wouldn't have done that with y'all in the room. I would have asked y'all to step out or at least explain, hey, I'm about to do uh, a neuro assessment. I'm going to have to do some things that are going to inflict some sort of pain. It's to see kind of where we stand. Um, But just from an ICU nurse to someone who's not familiar with it, I want you and really Eric to know that I don't think it was malicious. It was this nurse doing their job to say, hey, this is where we're at. I think one of the hardest conversations, I haven't got there yet because I'm still training. Um, There's been a couple nurses that I work with now that are so good at doing it is nurses having conversations with spouses or parents or kids that no one wants to have with. Um, Getting on the phone like, you need to get up here now. If I were you, I would start calling people. This is not looking good. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I don't, you know, from everything I've experienced, I don't think we have much longer. Um, it's going to take a while for me to be able to be comfortable doing that with family members because I'm just not used to that in nursing. But anyways, I know I'm rambling. The whole reason I bring that up is reading that. It kind of like, I just wanted to make sure that you and Eric know that I don't, I doubt that nurse was being malicious. Right. So I appreciate that you brought it up. It's been a good topic in general because I honestly didn't think of you being a nurse in this Mm. particular thing and how it connected and correlated. So it's been pretty cool. But when I wrote the book, it was just specifically my point of view, my emotions Mm -hmm. in saying that I, I totally realize that that person was very systematic Mm -hmm. in her approach. Mm -hmm. She was to the point she was great at her job. Sure. She was compassionate in her own way, which mm-hmm. I thought was diligence in doing her job. Whereas the, the other two, or the I think there was four or five of them, and two of them I saw a couple times. A lot, yeah. 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 Um, the other ones maybe had a more compassionate approach and more nurturing feeling to them. Gotcha. They all have their own personalities, mm-hmm. and it's how I remember them. I can see every one of their faces right now. Yeah. I just can't remember their names, yeah. but I, their personalities resonated with me. So the one who did that test, yeah. she was very black and white. Okay. And very black and white, very by the book. When she did her shift change, mm-hmm. I always listened i mean i listened every time to every one of the shift changes but of course you did yeah but hers was always the easiest to listen to because it made so much sense mm. systematically it made sense in my brain because right. she would literally start from the top and work her way down she like, did a full head to toe yeah you know when i was reading that um and i could sense the emotion you had towards that I'm not going to say towards that nurse I'll say towards the assessment that she had her the situation was and frustrating. I could sense Eric's um, point of view as well as a father I learned a lot of, that was like a two three paragraphs like it wasn't that much of your story right about who I am as a nurse now and who I want to be as a nurse my next shift um, so just by writing those few paragraphs you like hit me hard like a ton of bricks hitting me against the wall on how when I'm dealing with my neuro patients on how I want to present things like it's very it's it's a job that we do day in and day out um, but I gotta make sure that when I'm taking care of these patients that a I should probably explain things to you you being the family member 
first. Um, explain what's going to happen, what I'm looking for, and use as much compassion as I can while still making sure that I do my job diligently. So you spoke to me. I'm sure other nurses are going to eventually read this and think the same thing. So I think that's it's, it was really moving for me because, like I said, I'm brand new to this. Like I just started taking care of neuro patients. That's something that's I've never, ever dealt with before. I'm still learning the posturing and the withdrawing and um, all of that. So it really hit home with me. And so by you writing that, I appreciate that. Like you, you weren't writing it to me, but I swear to God, I felt like when I read that was perfect timing for where I'm at in my job that I felt like you were speaking to me. That's really cool. I really, really love that. And I also, that's the whole point of this book is to give perspective. So it's to connect with those who feel the same way, have gone through the same things potentially, but it's also to give perspective to those who have no idea have no clue and even that moment that is like two or three paragraphs mm-hmm. it resonated with you and that's all yeah, that hard that's all that matters yeah, to me I is read that it two or three times you could see the perspective mm-hmm. of an, the other side of your job absolutely that's a, that's a great point too and in in the medical field is especially the the more you go through it is you you forget what it's like and hopefully people will never know what it's like to be the family member right like the goal is that no one will ever have to experience anything that you and your mother and eric and uh tell me the best friend that was there almost the whole time Mm, there was a lot of them but maybe damon maybe i can't remember and you may not have said his name but there was one that was there i felt like for the majority of the time Mm -hmm. um anyways like hopefully no one ever has to live that but if you do it's like it's important for me as a nurse to keep in mind what you're dealing with um perspective is key absolutely (laughs) so you've journaled yes um you decided that you want to write this book when you decided that you want okay we were past the journaling stage where you said that you were keeping up with dates and times and trying to remember the day-to-day routine Mm -hmm. um of what happened with terrell during the nursing process or excuse me during the hospital process when you decided to actually write the book did you know that you were deciding to write a book to be published or was it something you just wanted to do for your own self-healing? Own self-healing? I, but there definitely hit a point where I was like, okay, I'm doing this. Like really? I, I'm right now I'm just writing. And every night I would get home from work and I would have dinner and then watch a show with Dylan. And then after that I would write and Dylan wouldn't even bother me. And I would just be in the living room on the couch, just typing away or sometimes I'd just be staring at the screen and sometimes I'd be crying and just staring at the screen. Yeah, yeah. But there was nights when I wouldn't go to sleep until like one in the morning, two in the morning because I was on a roll. You and knew I was what was just, on your mind you need to get it out. Yeah, I was just all there like, vom- like I was so just vomiting I, it up. At what point, and I don't need the exact chapter or whatever, but like how deep were you into this? Or were you like, you know what? This is going to be something that I hope can reach people. And I'm doing this for like, this is just something I'm going to cross off on my bucket list. I'm going to publish a book. Probably. I mean, the first couple chapters. Really? Yeah. So once you started like getting it out, like, okay, no, this is no longer journaling. This is actually writing. Yeah. The journaling. I'm doing pro- it. So the journaling portion for me was te- technically writing down the dates. Mm-hmm. And trying to remember the nurses. And then I wrote down what they did that I remembered. And I even, I started getting more specific and more specific about that day. Right. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to start typing this up. And then it just quickly evolved to chapters. Because then I was like, you know what? I need to break this up into days. And so I'm just going to do the chapters and the events that happened. And then I had a book. 
He had a very it like very chronologically I felt like I could play it day by day. So that that's a cool way that you attack this book. So you write the book. When was and I'm not talking about the publishing aspect of it, but by the time that you finished, we went through the memorial of there in Kansas. Um kind of the way it ended with the dinner and Dylan holding you and so on and so forth, you're done. At what point from that when you were done, how long of a period did it take until you were able to release this on Amazon? Okay, that was... So I started the whole process of even writing, journaling, whatever you want to call it, in October of 2019. Okay. And I also started painting... I mean, I had painted before that, but painting specifically f- to grieve and mm. mourn and express myself that way in October. And then I finished the book in 2020 in May. Okay. So then it took me a whole nother year and a couple months from May 2020 to publish it. I'm honestly surprised that it was that quick. Like, it feels like, oh, that was a year and three, four months, whatever it was. I honestly thought it would take more time than that in order to to get all your ducks in a row. And I'm sure that was a whole other aspect of shit you didn't realize you were getting yourself into. Yeah. in a publishing company and sending it to them and giving their rights away to the book and all that. Like, it just seems crazy to me. And, like, I'm sure there's a thousand steps that could, that could be its own podcast. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, which what is how I normally approach what a journey. everything I've ever done. Yeah, it's just no idea, and I just do right it. In. You rem- yeah, to me, you're the uh, female version of Mark Youngblood, which is the guy I was talking about. That, that we, we joke a lot about how he does stuff like that. He got really, really big into painting. Like, these uh, these are his. Yeah, I keep looking They're at Mark I don't Young- know. I keep looking at them. They're love Mark them. Youngblood originals. Um, really big into writing. He's done some short stories and some poetry and some blogging. Then he started a podcast, and he got super into hunting. And, like, and if you talk to Mark, he attacks it the same way you do is... I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm going to jump. And he is full force in the deep end immediately. Like, let's figure this out as we go. What a journey that must have been for you to go from, I want to get these feelings out to I've decided I published, I want to write a book to now I need to publish it to now I've released it. And like now everybody else and technically in the world has access to your emotions and your feelings, which I'm, you a very introverted person. So introverted. So like, (laughs) Being vulnerable for people is not easy. Um, I, I've noticed that more with my podcast is I come into the seat not really know what I'm going to talk about. I have an idea with my guests, but I don't want to get too far into it because it's not a conversation anymore. It's a script. I wind up saying some stuff on here sometimes. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe that I've got 100, 200, however many people listening to what I just said. Like, it's very hard to do. I can imagine the guts that it took to, to, to publish this and to release it with your actual name. You didn't use a pseudonym. That's right. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe I just don't think about it. It's <laughs> so much easier for me to write and express myself and allow that. It's almost like I can detach my personal, like, physical self mm-hmm. from my inner thoughts. And that in that way, I don't have to be worried about what I've written. I can just let it be. Right. And, like, let it flow and let it resonate how it should with other people because I'm deta- I have detached I my physical self. And that's why, I, yep, again, I, like that. I don't do well with in-person situations and I'm being hard on myself I'm actually I'm introverted but I feel like I'm actually 
okay to talk to in person and I'm not like super you where I don't want to talk to you at all and don't know how to carry a conversation. You remind me a lot of my wife. Uh, When you first meet Cassandra, she's super shy. You know, she kind of wants to assess the scene at first and like, especially if we're in like a big crowd where I can go up. I don't care if it's Dylan who I've known since freshman year or sophomore year of high school or if it's, you know, Joe Schmo, who I just met five minutes ago. I'm going to have a conversation with him and it's going to flow easily. She likes to observe. She's going to sit kind of in the corner, get her feelers, feelings out, assess it, and then slowly start getting in there. But once you get to know my wife, you know, she's as loyal as they come and like she's super outgoing, never stops laughing. I feel like you're the same way. It's like, it's just like... Does she talk a lot with you and sometimes talk your ear off? Sometimes I'm just, and she knows it too. And like, like I do this, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you <laughs> haven't stopped talking. But you know when she does that? About 11.45 p.m. whenever I'm just almost asleep. I can go all day without hearing but two words from her out of her mouth. And then, and it never stops. That was or literally if I'm in my yesterday. favorite show. And she knows it, but I always hit pause. And she gets annoyed that I'm hitting pause. She's like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm hitting pause because I'm either going to give the TV show my full attention or you. I can't do both. I think we might be the same person. <laughs> it's hilarious. I was thinking that as we were talking. <laughs> I've got about 17,000 more questions for you. Hit me Okay. But it's time for the halfway point where we're going to play. You are the first contestant on having them say that. Okay. Okay. Eventually, i got to figure out because Mark and Ty do this. They, they have like cool sound effects. I don't have any. So I'm just going to go, dun da 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 Now we're in the, sh- the game, right? So what I've decided to do, and like I said, you're the guinea pig, so bear with me, okay? I have reached out to people that know you, okay? Um, I'm terrified already. I have had people send in. So my goal is, is like friends, family, whatever it is, send in to the guests that I'm having in this specific week. Could be just something sweet that they want to say. Could be an inside joke. Could be just a funny story. It doesn't matter what it is. Okay. A, most importantly, this is what I think is the fun part, is you have to guess who's saying this. Okay. And then there are a few on here that I want to hear a little bit more about. Like what, we can't just leave it at that. I got to hear the story. Okay. Um, For you, I think it's going to be a little bit easier because we don't know a whole lot of the same people. Like we know David... Zach, Weston, and all them. Right. Um, but, like, where you grew up and stuff, I don't know any of these people. Okay. Okay, but, like, as the weeks go on, I'm going to do it. Like, if it's people that, like, we all know, I'm not going to give any sort of hints. Okay, but let's just let's just play. And we're, like I said, you're the guinea pig, okay? So I got the first one here, okay? Did you get multiple? I've got a few. Okay, interesting. Okay. Morning detention in Spanish class, exclamation point. Yeah, I know who that is. Who's this? This is my best friend's husband, Spencer. Well done. (laughs) You're one for one. What the hell is Spencer talking about? You know, I actually, I I don't know if I blocked this out. I have, oh, you know what? We didn't do our homework on time. So what we we chose chose to do it and come early in the mornings to do it instead of just doing it on time. Mm -hmm. And that is actually how... Heather, my best friend, and him met was because I was always in morning detention, and so was he, and so she would hang out with me. That's hilarious. And that's how you became friends with her? No, I've been friends with her since I was seven. Oh, that's how they... That's how they met Well done, and they're still married to this day? Yes. 
They better be telling you thank you. They did. You okay. Know, I was... Did you get a mention in the speech? I sure did. Okay. Okay. That's all that matters. Gentry <laughs> is still very, very bitter because Gentry introduced Ashley and David mm-hmm. and did not get any sort of shout out in, <laughs> in engagements and engagement parties at the wedding. No one acknowledged Gentry. And he was the one who introduced the two of them. It must have been before. Huh? The, they must have done it beforehand in person or something. They, no, he will tell you to this day <laughs> that there's been no acknowledgement. Gentry worked with Ashley. And I remember obvi- the story, Yeah, actually. obviously we all knew David from little kids mm-hmm. and introduced him because David was like, hey man, introduce me to somebody. Such a shame. It's just too bad. Okay. All right. Making up the most ridiculous laughing sounds and then laughing hysterically from the fake laughing. That's Heather. <laughs> so, so yeah. like, let me hear uh, the laughing sound. Oh, you, absolutely. You have to give me one. Absolutely not. Damn it. I knew when I read that, like, there's no way you're going to do it. But I was hoping there's I was going to catch you in the no moment. No way, no way, no way. But, yeah, we, she had, I specifically remember, we've done it multiple times, but there was one time on her little tiny twin waterbed um, back when we were, like, 12, we just entertained ourselves by laughing, which is just the joy of being a child. Absolutely. You just do I that. I and her little friends giggling in there. I'm like, even I don't care how late it is. It's so cute. Yeah, we just started giggling over something silly. And then we just transformed our laughs to more ridiculous and more <laughs> ridiculous. And then we just started crying so, laughing because the laughs, noises we were making. I need to so know silly. how many cocktails it will take in the future to get you to do one of those laughs. For anyone that isn't Heather or Katie or never. Dylan, probably never. <laughs> I'm like, I have to be pretty toasted to feel that comfortable. But with them, zero drinks. That's just sober. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Because <laughs> that's pretty vulnerable to be to look that silly in front of somebody. You have to feel super comfortable. I got another one for you. All right, I'm I'm ready. This is going to be obvious who it's from, but there's a great story to go with it that I can't wait to hear. Okay. And I guarantee you I'm about to say three words, and I may not need to finish this text. I'm just going to try that out. Parade of Homes. Did you tune this story out? We were at the Parade of Homes. We were down in a theater room. She didn't notice that the aisles had steps, and she tripped and busted ass and face-planted in front of everyone (laughs) that was down there touring. (laughs) Crying face emoji. (laughs) Okay, so I think it's Dylan. It's Dylan. Yeah. Yep. How dare he? (laughs) (laughs) He could have said anything sweet, romantic. He goes with you face-planting in front of everybody. You know, I actually feel... Like, oh, about that, just because it's not something that you would normally remember. So it's like, did you forget memory. about it till till right now? Whenever I'm reminded, you're like, oh my god, I forgot I did that. I forgot I did that because well it done, was so Dylan. it was so embarrassing, and you know, I, I just I, face planted, like truly, like face planted. How many people were down there? Roughly, probably four. Enough. Enough. Two other people or three other people that weren't a part of the party that we were with. Right. But I was embarrassed anyways. Who were y'all with? David and Ashley? I believe I was with Dylan's parents. (laughs) Did Bob and Tanya laugh? 
I because I know exactly what happened with Dylan. Dylan busted out. Like I, I can actually picture myself in this basement, and I can hear Dylan laughing. Yeah, right and now. he covered his mouth. Oh, like I can this. hear it. I can see his face. I can see his hand. And I can then see said, everything. "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, and then I, so you know, funny. honestly, I don't know if it was his parents or if it, it was some uh, family member, yeah. but. Maybe Mason or something. Who knows? It was yeah, somebody. who knows? My That's grandma, maybe yeah. one of the times we went to Parade of Homes, she traveled from Dodge to here and she came with me. It might have been her. That's I have funny. no idea. But I was embarrassed regardless of who was around me. It was totally the worst trip, slip, fall situation I've had in my life. I didn't get hurt, thankfully, but just as far as most embarrassing. Absolutely. That's hilarious. I'm gl- I think, did I win this? I'm, I'm like. Yeah. You're, you're the first winner. You're actually two and oh. No, three and oh. Okay. So, the other ones are going to, like, you've already guessed the person, but I'm just going to tell you some stories that she said. Okay? okay. Dancing like maniacs at the kitchen bar, whipping our ponytails like helicopters. I mean, that sounds right. I just don't remember the specific you remember situation. You're going to have to call Heather afterwards or, or wait till it airs and force her to listen, which is what I'm hoping you're going to do. Definitely. Okay. Dancing in my bedroom like crazy people until my knee buckled and I re-dislocated it a second time. (laughs) (laughs) This is the reaction I was hoping I'd get from all these responses. She's got more. Like, I feel like... Please. I feel like Heather just needs to be on a podcast. She's full of stories. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she has a lot of good stories and she loves to talk. Seriously pretending we were spies and sneaking up on people, specifically my brother... And creepily watching and listening to them. <laughs> yeah. To piggyback off of that, we had the best imaginations and we pretended that we would be underwater. And I remember that feeling of pretending to be underwater so vividly because in my head I had created like a, what is that movie, Deep Blue Sea or something mm-hmm. like that with the shark in the water? And, and, it, uh, I can't remember the name. Mandy Moore's in the cage, right? No, it, oh, it was way, one. way older, oh. way older. Anyways, it it resonated with me. Titanic was a big one for me. So I totally made up this underwater world. And I will never forget how imaginative we were. That's hilarious. We were serious spies. We were serious divers. <laughs> it was real. That's hilarious. <laughs> she said another good one. Being so scared of a bug in your house watching T try to find it and help us get it, but screaming our heads off, jumping and running onto the couch. I'm assuming T is Terrell. Yes, T is Terrell, and we would scream and then just laugh at the absurdity of our scream and how ridiculous we were. I mean, man, Terrell and my brother Keyshawn both traumatized me and Heather with throwing bugs at us. That's a brother's job though, right? It is a brother's job, but also, like, I'm still scared of bugs to this day. I'm, like, afraid somebody's going to flick a bug at me, and that's just that's ridiculous. I do that. I take a stand all the time. Like, if there's a bug, she'll scream, and I know her there's a bug scream. It's a specific scream. It's not someone's broke in. It's there's a bug in the house. So I always go over there, and I get a paper towel, and 100% of the time, I act like I'm going to throw it. One of these days, I'm going to get punched in the face because it is not near as funny to her as it is to me. Yeah. But I laugh every time. <laughs> I've got one more. Okay. So, in all fairness, uh, so I didn't want to do, I don't want answers to be obvious. Um, I feel like they would have been obvious if I would have reached out to Zach, David, Megan, Liza, Andy, Angelica, 
Because those are the only connections we have, right? Yeah, you really threw me off, though, that you did the deep dive. Yeah, well, in all fairness, your uh, soon-to-be husband did the dirty work for me. Nice. And delving in. So uh, give him an extra tight hug and kiss tonight. I will. Because he... I texted him and I was like, dude, this is kind of something I'm working on. It's it's a work in progress, so we're going to have to play with it. But this is what I want you to do. And he, probably within two or three hours of me asking him, he had these answers back. So he took it serious, right? He, mm-hmm. he, took, he said he's the best hype man. He understood the assignment. So I don't know. Is he an emotional guy to you? Because he's very, like, not like that to everybody else, kind of like I am, right? Dylan? Just, yeah. Dylan is emotional in the sense that he has a couple emotions that he expresses quite frequently, which is um, anger. (laughs) Not towards me, (laughs) but also happiness. But any emotion in between, I don't I've never seen him. He sent the funny story of Parade of Holes. Mm -hmm. But then we got a little bit more serious. Oh, snap. I would just like to say she's accomplished something not many people could do or even dream of trying to do with writing this book. She should be pr- very proud of herself and her accomplishments because I know I am with a ton of exclamation points. She is a badass. I take a moment to gather myself. Good. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Thanks, no. Dylan. When he sent that hilarious story i was like i can't wait for this but i just knew like i didn't have to ask him like hey dude if i were you I would send, like i knew something was coming immediately he sent that i said ha 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 this is gold he's like all right cool bam here's what i really want to say but like i can't not give this funny story that i remember yeah, of her that's so, really sweet um i wish that we had more of your lifelong friends and comments so i could have done more but i feel like this is a good yeah, Heather just just is. to make you rem- remind you of some of the funny stuff you probably don't think about all the time. But I didn't even realize it till I was just reading it because I didn't put two and two together. She's now bringing in funny stories with Terrell involved, so like she's playing in the mode of this podcast specifically. So yes. Heather, I appreciate you. Spencer, I appreciate you responding to Dylan. Um, any friends of Chanel's or friends of mine? So thank y'all for participating, Dylan. Very well said. Definitely, I agree. Ditto. All those things. Um. So you are three for three. You're the first winner of having them say that. Do you like the name? Like I'm, it's a work in progress. It's a play. But like I have to keep it on brand with having said that. So I'm trying to think. And I thought of that as I was laying in bed last night. What am I going to name this segment? So I was just, hey, let's just play a fun game. So work in progress. If you're pretty creative, if you think of something that can help me stay on brand. I'll definitely be brainstorming for yeah, you. Yeah, do it. But I actually do like the play on words and how it right? connects to your podcast. Well, see, and I name. stole the idea from Ty. So Ty does the win, lose, or tie. Do you ever mm-hmm. listen to Ty's podcast? I've no, listened, I listened to a couple. He started uh, about halfway through. He does, it's it's the same idea, but a completely different game. But his is called Tied Down. So he you're tied down now when you have five questions. You've got 10 seconds to answer them. And he decides if you win or lose. So oh, okay. It's fun. So that just to break up the monotony a little bit. So. Well, just to remind your future uh, people, guests. future guests. Yeah, I have set the bar high three for three. You so. are three for three. And if I bring you back, you could be the first ever double winner. Okay. But you're batting a thousand. Yeah. Okay. So um, back to the writing to the art. So I noticed just by following you on Instagram and Facebook, but I feel like more of the stuff is on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned it a minute ago, the, the painting, mm-hmm. were you 
painting prior to all of this? Have you have you always gotten into painting, and how was that such an outlet for you? How do you are you able to release? So I have done something artistically driven since I was like eleven or twelve. So around the same time that I started journaling, I started drawing, and um, it was drawing at first, and then I t- I took some courses and courses in when I say courses, I, they were like middle school and high school courses. Counts. I, yeah. And I think they do because they resonated with me. All my teachers were really good teachers and they made me feel seen and they understood that I needed more time to do things. I can, I can never be rushed. Sure. <laughs> That's what I've learned about myself, especially with my creativity and my expression. You I need, need, need your time. I need a little bit more time because there would be a due date. And every single time my teacher would come up to, up to me separately and say, say, yours is due two weeks after this. Really? Yes. See, I love that because educators, I think, make a bigger role in human beings' lives and young children's lives than most of them realize. And definitely those are from the outside realize, right? I know a lot of teachers with Ashley, Gentry, Nicole, my other uh, sister-in-law is a teacher. She actually teaches art at Friendship, by the mm-hmm. way. Megan. Phenomenal artist. No, uh, my brother, my older brother's wife, her name is April. I was adding Megan to it. Oh, I thought you were asking <laughs> Megan. Like, she doesn't teach art. Yes, Megan. Uh, follow April in the Sky on Instagram. Okay. She's Her artistic stuff is fucking phenomenal. Anyways... The fact that you're saying, like, your teacher knew, it wasn't that you were slacking off and you're like, oh, she's going to turn the shoot in two weeks later, is in order to do the best of your ability, you needed more time than maybe, like, if I was in the same class as you. Mm -hmm. And the fact that your teacher saw that is really cool. What's that teacher's name? Mrs. Schroeder. I knew you'd remember the name. Like, shout out Mrs. Schroeder. That's cool that, like, when educators can see who this student is and not just look at him as a job. Yep. Um, She fostered something in me and... And made me feel like I deserved the extra time to How do cool what I wanted. How cool is that? That's awesome. And so I continued that. So in college, I drew a lot. And I mainly drew. So I, I did all the things in, in my courses because, you know, it was a part of the assignments. But I was drawn to drawing. And then I stopped for a long time. And then I started painting abstract around 24 and then I stopped again. There's been long periods. But I think that like speaks a... to a true artist, though. If you're like, you're feeling something and you're getting it out. And then if nothing's speaking to you, if you were to draw, if you were to paint. I would hate it and I would not enjoy it. It'd be, you're only doing it for for the, the viewer's pleasure, if that will be. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not for yourself. That's the reason I didn't podcast for a month and a half, two months, because I wasn't in the right mindset to produce what I think may be a decent show, right? Exactly. Same idea with you. If you're, if you're not inspired, then what are you doing it for? It's not for yourself. Yeah. The best times that I've had expressing myself creatively have been when I've been like in a fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> and I I say that a lot, I realize when I'm talking about it. And it's a specific thing when I have these little fever dreams, it's always on the precipice of me falling asleep or me waking up. And I have these moments where I've gone like almost into a meditative state without yeah. realizing it because I'm right. just going to sleep. Mm-hmm. But it's like my brain has stopped thinking about the mundane things about life and has just gone into this other realm that I'm not realizing. And then I have like a picture of something or colors, just something really random come to my brain. 
or an idea for a story or lines of poetry that come to me in these moments. And those are the moments when I'm like, oh my gosh, my creative block is breaking because I can, that is inspiration. Something something is popping up. Yeah, something is brewing and it's coming to fruition slowly. And I love those moments and it's come more as I've gotten older. And I started painting again in 2019 because I was having these moments all the time. I woke up in 2019, the first day of 2019, and there was a palpable energy shift in the air. And I just felt like this year is different than anything I've ever experienced in my life. And I started painting and getting more in tune with energy and spirituality. And it sounds very... Nope. You're talking to the right person. Weird, no, but... you're talking to the right person for that. If you, I'm not gonna look at you like I think that that shit is so interesting. Yeah, I just had I had some kind of breakthrough that mm. was so so visceral, and I couldn't tell you what I was doing in my life that was different, but something was something was changing. so different. Wow. The first day of 2019, and so I started creating again in 2019, painting and expressing myself through art and I was actually I chose my medium as painting which I hadn't really done except for around 24 which I was just kind of playing around then I didn't know what I was doing and I still don't really know what I'm doing I just do it and um, I did it more to express my feelings more than ever and it felt so good it felt like a release every time I painted something and again I was having these little fever dreams of imagining what I was going to paint next and then Ty was one of the people that was, I was posting the pictures on Instagram and Ty was one of the first people along with David's sister Mm -hmm. uh, to tell me that I had something and Mm -hmm. that's all I really needed. Like the egotistical part of me. That's all that I really needed to be like, okay, I I think I have something here. I just need to continue to do it. Now I haven't painted in a year. I've had another creative block, but I've started, well, I actually have something that I'm writing now, but I don't know what's going to come of it. Yeah. But I'm talking about with painting. I've mm-hmm. been thinking about doing paintings again, and I know something is coming, and I've been having little dreams of what I want to do and seeing little colors, I've got watches. Two questions for that. One, have you? What do you? When you did all these paintings, what did you do with them? Did you sell them? Did you give them away, or are they just sitting in the garage? So I have a lot of my paintings. I did sell a lot of my paintings too. That. In 2020, that's how, for the first six months during COVID, that's how I made money. Wow. Along Good with for you. doing. So it. you're a professional painter. Yeah. I, I guess. mean, you are. Because I sold my paintings. You made money off of it. Yeah. That's uh, how I paid my bills. The that's one. what Mark would do with these. I, I forget the, 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 I think they're called spills. Don't quote me on that. Um, it's really cool. So I, we went and made these. We actually made them the day before Rainsley's first birthday mm-hmm. because she had a, uh, with the bow, what's that? Uh, Minnie Mouse party, right? So that's why we did those. I went and bought the colors and I bought the canvases. So it's really cool what you do in the circle. You squeeze different colors of paint just on top of each other, right? It mm-hmm. starts pour. But then, uh, pours, not spills, they're called pours. Mm-hmm. There's a special medium in there that's like this clear white looking stuff that's, I think it's like lighter than the paint itself. Uh, when you pour it on that, then you can kind of manipulate it 
kind of to get it to spread. Then you set it down and stop. Like I remember we made both of these and then we sat down and listened to music and drank whiskey for a couple hours. He said, remember what this looks like right now because in an hour it's going to look completely different. Tomorrow you won't recognize that we just did that. Yeah. And it pulls like all these colors out from the bottom. Like you can see the peak coming through the grays and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyways, cool. uh, we probably just bored the listeners because I'm not looking at them. Maybe I'll take a picture of them. But anyways... <laughs> What I think is cool about abstract work, like I think someone that can draw something is the one of the coolest talents. My dad and my older brother could draw stuff that you would not believe. I don't know if any of them ever do it anymore, but like they have some portfolios and stuff that they would just, just for their own fun, I right? portfolios too. I would love to see those sometime. I think that's a talent within itself. And I'm not trying to be silly when I say this. I can't draw a stick figure without fucking it up. Like, I just, like, drawing something never resonated with me. What I think is cool about abstract art is it doesn't matter how many paintings you've done of abstract. There's no way you could ever replicate one of them, right? Yeah, it's true. I think that that's one of the coolest things because I think it speaks to the originality of the artist, the originality of the um, consumer that's going to take that piece from you, assuming you were to sell it or give it away as a gift or something. Like, if you were going to do an abstract piece for me you're probably going to try to gear it towards my personality right mm-hmm. um speaking of time mark did one for ty that's like the coolest painting in the world when you understand what mark did but he couldn't do that for me because it was geared towards ty um i just think that that's so cool that people could do that i think abstract art i could go to a museum and stare at pieces of abstract art for hours not even knowing what it means and i think the coolest thing is if you like you just draw, how it makes you feel exactly like you could draw a picture of a rose with a real cool background and stuff and it's going to be beautiful but you and i are both going to look at that and say that's a rose right mm-hmm. there's no differentiating that but if you were to look at one of these paintings right here you may see something and i may see something that are completely unrelated but it's going to speak to both of us in the same manner right i just think that's the coolest thing in the world so i would love to see some of your art like if yeah i know you have pictures saved and stuff i feel like you may have posted some before but like i'd really like to get into it and maybe i could get you to commission me a picture just because it'd be cool but yeah it'd be so fun i and well to tie it back to terrell really quickly i painted around the same time that i started writing this book Mm -hmm. i started painting something specifically for terrell a couple things i had a couple projects going one of them i ended up not liking and I ripped it up mm. and I just I still have the scraps but one I have hanging in my house and it is a silhouette of Terrell and I, I might have to send you the pictures so maybe you can yeah I would love for you to do that if you're comfortable and I'll release yeah. it it's really cool it has a lot of energy to it for um recently we had friends over and this guy was drawn to it. I have all my, a lot of my paintings are hanging up in my house. That's awesome. I like seeing them and I, I don't know, each one evokes some kind of emotion. Sure. But this one is right when you go into the bedroom, our master bedroom and um, it's silhouette of Terrell. And I started off the first layer of it being um, all the texts that Terrell has ever sent me. Wow. And so it just was filled up his whole body. Mm-hmm. And then... I painted over that, and then with the same color paint, I wrote in there all of the things that I wished I could say to him at that very moment. So then it was kind of raised up. Yeah. But the same color. Yep. Yep. So there's different layers, though. And then the last layer I did, that's all in black, and then the last layer I did in white. And it's, um, what did I do? I did, like, 
what I said at the memorial. I did poetry that I had written for him. Mm-hmm. I did um, his song Goodbye. I wrote that all over it. And uh, the, it's just, it means so much. Like, But if you were to look at that, you would obviously feel the emotions from that. And that's what this guy, our friend that we had over, said. He's like, I was just so drawn to this. It just seemed like it had so much more meaning than... It wasn't just a silhouette of some some random person yeah he just went to it immediately and started talking about it and i felt so happy and proud that he could feel that because i feel like i did what i meant to do see that's that's a great way of explaining that is is if if you can put your emotions on a on a canvas i'm sure it's pretty cool yeah right but if i can sense your emotions from that canvas and you've done what you set out to do you did the same thing with the book um, I know you didn't paint it, but it, it, that's the that same exact idea, right? Like you put your emotions in this book, not knowing that you were going to reach anybody else because it made you feel better. And like, I'm going to take this journey. Let's publish it. Let's see what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. I felt every emotion you have are reading every single word in, until we meet again. Like I, I truly did. I felt like I was a part of the story. I felt like I was in the hospital. I yeah, could like sense you were a fly on the wall. Bed. I could sense where you were sleeping and where your mom was sitting in the chair and where the other kid was sitting on the chair. And when y'all went to Walmart and had a rush back, like I could picture you rushing back to Walmart and leaving your, your buggy in the middle of the aisle. Like, you portrayed what you were feeling in this book the same way that you feel like you portrayed the picture of Terrell. Mm-hmm. I think that that's such an amazing thing that artists can do that not not very many people have that talent. Um, I've noticed what you've done recently, and I don't I say recent because I don't remember ever seeing it up until maybe the last year or so that you've gone on another journey on uh, astrology. Well, not only that, I was going to say horticultural. Horticultural. Oh my gosh! You've been, yeah posting pictures of these beautiful plants you're planting is that new to you i feel like no is it not maybe i don't know what it does but i feel like <coughs> following you on instagram all of a sudden one day i saw you post a picture of a flower and then another flower and like you're posting these pictures all the time and they're gorgeous flowers i'm assuming they're stuff you're you're planting and watching grow from a seed yes to the, i mean some of them you may right buy now, the planter yeah but still. this year i have done that it's all basically all of them are pictures of things that i've sewn into the ground myself that's what i thought but that's kind of a hard thing to do and you have to be really patient that's very difficult and so don't look at my flower bed when you leave please <laughs> yeah my flower bed right now looks awful that's why i haven't seen any pictures on instagram <laughs> they're they're dying now you know it's time no. for them to go into hibernation but um yeah no i love flowers and i love it makes me feel so at peace it's not a new thing for me to tend to my garden and okay basically zone out and i could literally stare at a plant <laughs> and well, when just, you like look pictures, at it and like, see all the have, new like, good words with them and stuff i'm like damn this girl really loves that so you're a very creative human being and i'm sure you you know that and you view yourself but like you do things that i could never do with a painting i say that i could never do that maybe i shouldn't say that maybe i should just try it yeah but things that i've never opened myself up to doing um, and I think that's really cool that you're able to tap into those, uh, those markets in your brain that most people can't do. Um, you should take pride in doing that. Um, I personally think you should, uh, get back into painting and see what, see what you can do and make a little bit more money. You know what Mark used to do? 
I, I keep referring to more just because he's the only other person I know that does that. He took this page out of Baron Batch's uh, book. So Baron Batch used to be a running back at Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he was drafted, but he went and played for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a little while. Um, great at what he did. Great running back. But his passion was art painting some really cool stuff he got really big into writing he did some like news type stuff um look up his work when you leave it's pretty cool b-a-r-o-n baron batch okay right anyways what he did and so mark used to do this too once in a while like mark would do one of these paintings um and he would wrap it up in a lot of cellophane to protect it and put like his old business card and would put it on texas tech campus and it had like a note on it hey free art enjoy this all i ask is that you hang this up in your house if it speaks to you if it doesn't no harm no foul but please leave this for the next person like don't just take this and throw it in the trash can because i work very hard on this and then please post this to your to your instagram and your snapchat and your social media help spread the name he used to do that once a month and then it got to the point where enough people were following him where he didn't he got to leave texas tech and he would like put a picture like one of his paintings somewhere in lubbock with like maybe in the background like you could see like crap i should know where that is and then it was a game whoever gets to this item first gets to keep a free piece of art that's actually a really it cool became idea. super fun baron batch used to do this and then mark did it mark doesn't do anymore like you should pass that pass that tradition on Torch from artist to, to artist yeah <laughs> I, it, it's just it seemed to me like i wasn't doing the painting but i felt like for mark it was super super cool and whenever people would post it and say at yb works that's his name on instagram for whenever he's doing his painting um you know this is so cool i like, can't and he would like it would be hanging on someone's he never met this person will never meet him but to know that his art spoke to somebody yeah. i feel like you need to go down that route. i'm not saying do that idea although if you did that'd be super fucking cool but get back into painting. Like, I know, I really need I to. I want to see what you... It's easy for me to say I don't paint, but... Yeah, I've been playing with the idea of getting back into painting. Actually, probably a month ago, I did break out a canvas. Yeah. But I wasn't ready yet. And yeah. I hated the painting. I put it to the side. I'm That painting has not been touched yet. I have started having those little dreams of things that I could do next, but I've been kind of afraid to get into it because I can just tell that I'm not You're fully not there, there. But I have been playing with the idea of doing something that's not abstract and doing like drawing something and just painting it. Yeah. Like I've, I have painted um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for, Din- for Dylan and he has it on his Seems wall fitting. in his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that painting. I want to maybe dip my toes back into something like that just Mm -hmm. to kind of get my creative wheels turning again yeah and then break back into it because what was happening was i didn't like the colors i chose and how i was applying it i just was like man i don't even know how to do this anymore and i felt really upset with myself that's a good way then i like that because then like if you're if you're painting a teenage mutant ninja turtles there's specific colors you have to use and shapes and stuff that you have to use i I think that's a Clearly, you're a true artist because then you can delve into that. I do have a question. So when you're painting something abstract, it can't be the other version. What is the word for like if you know what you're painting? Um, I normally know the word, but I'm so out of it. I have no I'm idea. I'm so out of it that about. I can't think of the word right so now. So let's, but when you're doing something abstract, right, you have your white canvas. Realism. Realism. Photorealism. So <laughs> you have your canvas in front of you. Do you just throw... 
shit on there and it turns into what it has? Or do you have somewhat of an idea of what you think it could look like? I'm sure very seldom it turns out at the end of what it was at the beginning, right? But yeah, I've always wondered that with art and I, I have no idea. I've done it both ways. So there's been times when I have these little dreams. I go to a my art journal and I would take my colored pencils and mm-hmm. I would draw it out. Mm-hmm. And then I would try and try create. Try to portray. Yeah, I would try and recreate recreate that to the best of my ability with paint. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that would turn out and sometimes it wouldn't. But right now, like, I had this really cool one. I had this dream of just flashes, just flashes of whatever it was, of a pink and orange sky with clouds in the middle. So, And then just a bright orange sun or bright yellow sun with an orange slash underneath it. I have that still in my house and I love that one so much because that one literally came from just me not thinking of anything and about to fall asleep. And that one is so cool. But so I have done it that way where I actually draw it out because it's from a dream. And then I have other times when I just have colors in mind that I think are really cool and I'll either use my fingers mm-hmm. or I will um, just, I don't necessarily throw anything at the canvas, like actually physically throw it. Cause that's another expressive way to get out your emotions to actually got physically to do that throw it. Once, yeah. But I actually use a paintbrush and yeah. different strokes. And mm-hmm. That's really cool. I, I wouldn't know where to begin. Um, on doing something like that, but I, I just always find it so cool when I see art to know that when I look at this white canvas, all I see is a white canvas, right? But for someone who has their creativity that you do, that you can look at that white canvas and see a piece of art before it's already started. I just think that is so amazing, and that's a talent that I think someone like you can't truly understand from someone like me who doesn't have that. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's amazing that people can do that. Like I said, my sister-in-law um, got some of her art stuff. So she's been published in a book not too long ago. She does some abstract jewelry that was fucking awesome. She's done multiple uh, things at the First Friday mm-hmm. art trail and stuff. Uh, but that she can look at a canvas and, like, how do you look at that piece of white nothingness and turn it into just beauty is so amazing to me well i'm envious of her now because i currently am looking at blank canvases and just being totally intimidated by it yeah (laughs) maybe the 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 answer is to just do it yeah i know you know that's what i talked about doing a podcast have have some ugly uh, ugly ass paintings but see what's so funny to me is that you'll see it and hate every bit of it Whereas I may see it and think it's the most beautiful painting I've ever seen. That's true too, because I had that with one of my paintings. Absolutely. I'm still not sure if I like it. Somebody that I don't know from across the United States purchased it off of Etsy. But my sister, she's also very creative. I have a very creative family. Um, I FaceTimed her in the middle of it, of painting it. And she was like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't feel the same way you do when I look at it. I feel like mm. I could wa- See, look at it forever. And exactly. that helped me get through the painting at least. And I was yep. like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Yep. And then also the confirmation of that was that it ended up getting purchased from someone I do not know. Yeah. And that felt really good. That's really cool. I think that's a good 
like a life lesson is, is, you know, when you think that like you feel a certain way towards a situation or towards a person or towards whatever it is, like you may just be viewing it one way, but everyone else views it a completely different way. Yep. Um, I had a few more questions. Let me see where we're at. When you're talking about the actual tragedy that happened, Mm -hmm. the other victim, okay, is he doing good and, like, he's fully recovered and is doing okay today? There's a couple of them. Okay. Multiple people who are involved in the situation. Uh, As far as we have been informed and we're told, um, everybody was sleeping. Okay. And... The person that came in and and killed my brother shot up the whole house while everyone was sleeping. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to reiterate this because the trial hasn't happened yet, and I don't want to say anything that is untrue. But to the to my knowledge, everyone was sleeping. This person that shot up the house was a really good friend. Mm-hmm. Terrell had known this person since they were eight or nine. Right. And they were all moving out of this house Mm. that following Sunday. Everything was packed up even. They had just had a little going away party two days prior to that. Um, This person told everybody that he was leaving already. Like he moved out earlier than everybody else. Oh, and he came back. And he came back. They didn't even know. They thought he was They didn't know. They thought he was already where he was supposed to be. (sighs) Yeah. So the two people, there was two other people that were injured. I thought it was just one. Okay. Mm -hmm. And one of them got, both of them got multiple shots, I believe, you know, that hit them. Multiple bullets. One of them got it worse than the other. He got it through his ankle. It shattered his Mm -hmm. ankle and he, it took a way longer recovery process for him. Um, The other one, I mean, besides... The mental, um, what are the words? I'm losing my words. Yeah. Besides having to deal with that trauma mm-hmm. mentally, I think physically he healed pretty quickly. Good. Well, and I, I don't want to give too much away of the book, and I don't want to cross any boundaries. But I will say, so whenever I was reading, and I think it was towards the end of the book, when one of the victims went back to the house because he needed to see for himself what went on. So that right. was one of the roommates. He lived in the pool house. Right. That's what it was. That's what it was. So he actually wasn't in... This is a huge, huge house mm-hmm. that they lived in. And he lived in the pool house, so he didn't hear any of this until okay. the cops in the... Okay, so he just wanted to go there. back to make sense of it all, right? Yeah. He was able to bring out some of Terrell's stuff. I think it was, and I don't know Terrell, obviously, but I think it just goes to speak from what you've portrayed of him to the person that he was. Mm-hmm. He was a fighter. He was someone who was never going to give up on him. Like, he wasn't going to give up on his dreams. He's going to go on all the way to California to be a singer, songwriter, whatever it is. Um, a lyricist, as, as you say. Um, it sounded like you when you had talked about him, he was also into some other stuff, some artsy stuff. Like, he was very... He was a creator too. Yeah, and you're not you're not gonna bring a guy like that down. Mm-mm. No, he um, was working on like an anime TV. That's show. what it was. That's what it was. And they they meaning all of the friends that live together, 
they all boosted each other up and like collectively worked on things so they have and i think still have shift records so they started a record deal themselves and um they started designing clothing and so terrell had this journal of just all of these business Ideas. ideas and another one was like a lottery app but you win a different thing every i i mean crazy crazy stuff that i'm like how do you even think of this stuff yeah. and then of course he had a very in-depth character analysis of everyone in his anime show it was yeah, so cool absolutely and i feel like also, that needs to be a thing by the way what like someone needs to sell that idea in, i know in, in honor of drill i know it's so it's really really cool and i've actually played with ideas of that have to get it from my mom and see what she says about everything but yeah he just had so many brilliant ideas super creative guy yeah well i could tell that and 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 the fact that i'm saying he's a he's a fighter to the very end and i could tell that is kind of the the way that after he got shot and where they found him was like completely different realms it wasn't he was he was not found where he was shot. So what right. that told me when I was reading it, and you did a great job of portraying that, is he was going to fight to the very end to protect himself, to mm-hmm. get away from harm's way. He wasn't going to give up. I think that speaks to him as a as as like the fight or flight and all that, but to who he was as an artist and who he was as a creative person and what he wanted to achieve in this life. He was never going to give up on anything until someone said, "You're not giving." You're like you don't have the option anymore, right? Like mm-hmm. probably didn't take no as an answer type guy. And if you read, I don't want to give too much away because I, I want people to read the book, but it's very, it's very moving to me without knowing him to know where he wound up and where the paramedics found him. Because that said that I will not let you, you being this fucking guy who did this, I will not let you get the best of me. One way or the other, I'm getting out of this and I'm going to excel, I'm going to persevere, and I'm going to get through this. I like that you brought it up in that way because when we heard it, that because we didn't know. Yeah. I mean, we. I'm in Texas at the time that this happens. My mom is in Kansas. This happens in California. Right. We had no clue what what the details were at all so when we heard where he was found it was devastating because in our brain the picture that we painted was of someone being really scared of Terrell being terrified yeah so I'm really appreciative that you could bring a different light to that and I think it it rings true I think that well just it rings really me everything that he was into I, I I truly believe it was I'm getting out of this and I'm gonna push forward Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there was some fear involved. I mean, how would there not of be? Of course. But your body responds to certain things in one way or the other. And there's the fight or flight. And there's the, uh, I forget the other term. I should know this because I've studied it for fucking years. But it's all survival based. Yeah. Some people freeze. Yeah. Some people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrell was clearly the not the type of person that was going to sit there and let someone get the best of him, probably with anything in his life. And I'm sure he heard the word no a thousand times with his music and his anime and his 
notebook of crazy ass app ideas and all this crazy stuff and i'm sure his friends or even if he took it higher and like i'm ready to present this i'm sure he told was told no a thousand times but all it takes is that one time to be able to move on Mm -hmm. um and that's exactly how you portrayed him to be and when i was reading i think it was in the last couple chapters whenever you got to the point of when the kid in the pool house uh went to walk through the house Mm -hmm. just to make sense of everything and followed the trail um yeah that one that mean how he told it was how i wrote it yeah Yeah. well uh, it it portrayed to me everything that i need to know about who terrell was and and the life he left behind and the the lives he touched with his personality on uh uh, the type of guy who perseveres Mm -hmm. um fuck you you're not gonna get the best of me and that's exactly what i read in that last couple chapters so it was it was very moving to me. I, I, it choked me up reading that. Just just to think of, it was really visual of someone trying <laughs> to deal with that. But um, you did a great job in portraying that. See, it, it, I, I love the fact that you and your mom may have viewed that differently, and you're now hearing that that's not how the viewer is going to read that, or at least for me personally. Yeah, that's, that's everybody views it everything differently. I love it, and. It does ring really true, honestly. So I, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up. Good. Uh, and that's how I read it. Um, I'm not going into too much detail for a reason on the actual what happened, how it happened, um, the book itself. I hope that viewers have or viewers listeners have understood what the the story is about. It is about a tragedy that you. It was from the I think the first sentence maybe even is from the moment you got the phone call until his memorial obviously unfortunately Terrell did not make it and so that's what the story is about but I, I want people to read this book um if it's where can we find it I know I got my copy on Amazon and I text you and I was like hey maybe a couple days I got it in less than 24 hours yeah like, oh shit awesome I decided to publish it through Amazon because it was honestly the path of least resistance but i'm so glad that i did it because Mm. when i tried to go through the publishing process last year when i finished the book it created a lot of stress for me because as you said there were a thousand steps to go through a publishing agency Mm -hmm. and a lot of them at that point in time were trying to get me to pay for them to publish my my book and i just at that point, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And also, it was a really, really long, long process. Yep. Like, a year-long process from the point of getting in contact with the company. Yep. And I did get accepted by a company, but I decided to, after reading the contract, not to go with them. And Good so, for you. I think you made the right choice. Yeah, and so, I don't even know what happened. I just one day was like, you know what? I, I, I do know what happened. I was watching TikTok. And... <laughs> God, <do you> get- <laughs> And on TikTok, I was I have like all these informative things that I'm following, which makes it so interesting to me. I learned so many things through this social media platform. Um, it's telling me how to publish a book, and it the easiest way to do it, and it was through Canva, mm-hmm. which I, that's not how I did it, but I know the app. The app is free. There's in-app purchases, yeah, of course, but yeah. you can create something through there a children's book is what this person was mm-hmm. specifically talking about and then convert it to amazon kindle publishing mm-hmm. and they do all of the they do everything yeah for you yeah someone as soon as you convert it to their program 
which takes a little bit of time, but it doesn't take a year. It takes like maybe a day yeah. to sit down and actually do it. Do the work, yeah. Um, they do everything for you. And so once that happened, I was like a little fire under my butt and I just did it. So we, obviously you can find it on Amazon. I order mine via Amazon Prime. Like I said, it showed up in less than 24 hours. I was blown away when I told Cassandra, hey, order this book. This is Chanel's book. She said, cool, it'll be here tomorrow. I'm like, wait, what? I think I ordered it like on a Saturday and it, showed, I don't, it was something crazy. Um, where else can we find it? Is it strictly Amazon or it's there... Amazon? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in the Lubbock area, yes, a lot of these people are, we have viewers from all over. We're like multi, we're international. We've got seven country listeners. Nice. Okay. So, but the majority are from the Lubbock area. So mm-hmm. if you're in Lubbock and you don't want to spend the money, which you're not, you're not doing this to get rich. I know you're not going to hurt totally anybody's feelings. Not. Where you told me like, Hey, just either just go to, uh, public library there you go the libraries are they at all of them or tell me mm-hmm. which ones they're at they're at all of them i every donated public to library? everyone and how many do we have here seven or eight there's six i believe only one i know five is or six. go to key or go to key, whatever it's right here on uh frankfurt because i drop by it every day mm-hmm. yeah so i donated multiple books to every public cool library and uh then second and charles okay so have so you heard of second and charles mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i know what that is uh the book is called Until We Meet Again. Obviously, I'm going to post a picture of it by Chanel Torres, T-O-R-R-E-Z. You can find it on Amazon. You can go in. What section do they, is there like a grief section that it is in? I'm or sure it'd be say- like autobiography, memoir type section. Okay. And we're talking about like at the uh, at the libraries. Mm-hmm. Um, read the book. For anybody listening, and I know Mark's going to take it, and I think Ty's going to take it, I'll be more than happy to lend you my copy um, as long as you take care of it because I have an autographed copy, and it's a (laughs) one and only original. So respect my book. But it's a very easy read. It took me two days to finish it. It's 106 pages, I believe. Somewhere around there, yep. Um, I did want to say, too, um, and I meant to bring this up at the beginning, the way you um, outlined this book was I thought was so original to where it's like nothing I'd ever seen. And what I mean by that, for one, the chapters aren't long, which is good because mm-hmm. it you can read a little bit. It's emotional, so I, th- I feel like the chapters didn't need to be long because you can put your bookmark on and go leave for a second. It's not every chapter, but there's a handful. You may know the how many there are of each and you may not. It doesn't really matter, but... You put some poems at the end of a couple of your chapters that mm-hmm. you wrote. Poems and short stories. And short, short stories. stories. How cool. Like, I just, as I was reading that, I was like, holy shit. Like, what a fantastic idea. Because you could write poetry and release it in a poetry book. You could do short stories. And there's all sorts of forums on the internet where you could do short stories. But you put them into your book, which had nothing to do with the story itself. Now, some of them were your emotions that you were feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were writing writing written actually about Terrell, but I just felt like you, hey, this is a perfect spot to put my feelings in right here. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. It was very cool. Yeah, some of them, I had written them separately for the most part. Some of the short stories I decided, okay, so how I did it was I wrote everything out that pertained to that month time frame. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, this isn't enough for me. And if I'm going to release this to the public, I want to give them a little bit more. And then I looked through my notes in my phone. Mm-hmm. I had poems. And I was like, you know what? I think this poem would be really good interjected right here. And then I was like, you know what? I'll do short stories, too. I have a lot of those. And that's how that came about. They were p- 
placed very strategically. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like every time one of the chapters ended with a poem, 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 however you say it, it fit what you had just talked about for the previous couple pages. Um, A couple of the short stories fit very well with what you were talking about. It was like they were written for a reason. They were very chronologically placed. But I just thought that the idea of doing that was really cool. I've never read a book that had those involved in there with it so that was i thought that just speaks to the originality that goes on in your head so that was really cool for me to see thank you um as i was reading the book you talked about how you spoke at the uh the memorial mm-hmm. and I, I i'm glad i finished because i was just fixing to text you this is two nights ago to say hey can you please send me what you wrote and lo and behold it's the last thing in the book i'm like well no shit like i'm glad i waited excited well maybe she put it in here mm-hmm. um that was really cool too I, I think it's awesome that you shared that um i really wish those of us could read the original but i know that's just yours and your mother's to keep and that's really cool but I, i'm glad that you added that i don't think that you had to do that for mm-hmm. the for what you spoken but I, if you hadn't have i was going to ask you to release it to me to where i could post it on the internet at least because i think people need to hear that as a form of i don't like this word for you but for for me as a reader i felt like it gave me some closure to the book mm-hmm. to do your memorial speech so that was really cool of you to release that a nice book end mm-hmm. You did a great job on this book, um, and I don't say that because we're friends. Like I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoy. I was excited to read the next chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big advocate. Advocate. I, I'm like the laziest human being there is. And when I get home, I turn on the TV. But when I started the book, I didn't have the TV on. If it was, it was a show I didn't need to watch because I wanted to be fully engaged in this book. And so you grabbed my attention. Um, challenge all you listeners to go out there for one for those of you that know chanel and if you don't know chanel for those of you that know dylan you know chanel via dylan go support chanel like like i said i know you're not doing this to try to make money but let's i'm a firm believer in supporting the ones we care about and it all starts small and goes big that's why i beg listeners to listen to my show because i want people to support me right um Support Chanel. Go find it on Amazon until we meet again. Like I said, I'll show. I'll obviously put some pictures on the internet. Go look at my social media to figure that out. Um, I think I had one more question. And my um, Instagram is Chanel Torres Art, and at the very top of it, there's a link to the book. So if you don't want to go through like Amazon, your, you can bio, just click the link just click and, it and find it. Yeah. Um, two more questions, real quick, okay. before we wrap up. What would you say to anyone that's struggling with some grief, whether they've lost a family member in a horrible, unbelievably tra- tragic way like you have and your mother has and Dylan and everybody that was related to uh, Terrell? Um, we're living in a day and age, and I don't care what your political views are. People are dying every day from COVID right now, and people are dealing with grief. And I think right now people are getting so caught up in the political aspect of what truly is a disgusting virus. And I, I see the worst of the worst of the worst right now with people on ventilators. And, and unfortunately, not many of them are making it right now. And it's horrible. So what would you say to people that are dealing with some form of grief? In reference to grieving itself, everyone grieves differently. And there's this saying that over time, it will get better. And I don't agree with that, actually. I agree. You actually keep that same grief. You just change around it. Your whole 
you change you just change and and basically grow around this whole shape that has been left of your heart my mother and father uh, lost their two kids to a horrible tragic car wreck Uh, one was seven and one was five okay and the same car wreck was my mom's mom my mom's sister my mom's sister I think three kids all on a head-on collision before I was born. Um, so this has been 30, I want to say 37 years ago. Who was this again? Your grandparents lost children? No, or my your... mother and father. So this would have been siblings, brother and sister, essentially. Okay. Um, their names were Tara and Mitchell. So Riley's middle name is Mitchell. Rains's middle name is Tara. I call them Tara and Mitchell in honor of my brother and sister, who I never got the pleasure of meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I bring that up is... My mother can attest to you right now exactly what you just said to be true. Is It's not that it gets easier. It's not that um, you forget about it and you just move on. I don't like the term move on. I feel like that's almost derogatory. It's you learn how to deal. You learn how to cope. Uh, keep in mind this is coming from someone who's not had to deal with that, but just from what I've talked about. is you learn how to live your life through your loved ones right you live in your life through Terrell you're spreading his word and his name right now via this book coming on this podcast um Yoko tell me the name again of the artist Yoko Naru which is one of the roommates that was injured in this same tragedy shot as well I did not understand I did not I just thought the connection yeah okay a really good friend um he is a rapper and they did a lot of songs together and so recently Yoko Naru Damon um, released an album that was just songs that Terrell did and and him. When you look at the album, it, it just has his name on it, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's because of legal reasons. He couldn't get like approval. So what I think I'm going to do is on my Facebook and on my Instagram, I'm going to post a screenshot that I found on Spotify from Yokonaru. Mm-hmm. Um, Which means get get better in Japanese. That's so cool. I looked up Yokonaru and I was getting all this Japanese stuff. I'm like, oh, clearly this means something. Um and I would like, I'm, I'm going to challenge it just, just to let Terrell's uh, memory live on. Listen to some of the stuff because Terrell's voice is like, it's actually him singing mm-hmm. in the background or rapping, whatever it was, his lyrics that he recorded until this uh, untimely demise that he unfortunately had to suffer through. Um, we all need to help Terrell's Terrell's legacy live on. And one way we can do that is by, by listening to Yokonaru. Um, I'm going to, I'll make sure to post that on Instagram and on Facebook as well, just to kind of spread it. I was listening before you came in, Dylan told me about it. It's great music, by the way. Like yeah. it's not like, you can tell these guys take their work serious. Um, I don't know which one was Terrell. So I'm going to have you show me here in a little bit, but, um, I think that's so important. Yeah. There's also basically all of his friends have done something in memoriam and in Terrell's legacy since he's passed. And we have another friend that was also involved with the tragedy who is is running a kennel and it's called two x kennels which Charles' stage name is rex with two x's and um so that's where the two x comes from and then another friend that's a lifelong friend alex schmidt he opened up a gym and it's i believe called two x gym or mm-hmm. something like that something with two x it's awesome normally i would know this i'm losing my words i, I apologize but 
they're, they have been open for a year. They're doing really well. And the year anniversary is October 2nd. And they invited me and the family to Where go Where is this business? It's in California. And I don't know. It's not in Sacramento. He lives a couple hours outside of Sacramento. Yeah. So I'd have to... Well, shout out to that gym there. Hopefully yeah. some people are listening from there. I just think it's so cool and it's so important to to, to let life live on. Mm-hmm. Um, just because life was taken way too young doesn't mean life is gone. Right. Um, I mean, you, you hit me with Terrell's life and I don't even know who the hell he is. I'd love to see a picture of him. I'd like to post some so everybody else can put a picture with it if you wouldn't mind. He's a very handsome young man. Um, I just think it's so cool and it's so important. So I, ch- I challenge everybody just to find that Yokonara and I, it'll, I'll put the spelling out on there for Spotify and Apple, wherever you listen to your music, um, just to hear Terrell's voice. Um, yeah. Read this book, get on Amazon. Like I said, you're more than welcome to borrow my book as long as it comes back in the shape that I, I lent it out in. Um, and I had one more question is, Oh, not really, but just final words. Any Anything else you want to express that you've been thinking about saying, or did we wrap it up? I mean, you tell me. I think that we wrapped it up. I, we touched on everything I wanted to touch on for the book, and just the creative process, and grieving in general, and expressing yourself. And I will say this, because this is going to release, if I'm not mistaken, if the timing's right, it'll be on the 21st of September. Um, I've got one next week, and this will be the following Tuesday. Um, what was his last name? Terrell's? Yeah. Brown. Okay. Keep the Brown family in your thoughts, in your prayers. Um, Torres family, everybody, Griffin family, everybody that's kind of related. Um, (laughs) Eric, his father, and everybody. Um, And I I can't speak to it for one. It's not my business. And two, I don't want to say things I'm not supposed to. Um, Trials fixing to start. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that. And I know this is not going to be an easy process for those of you that are are dealing with it. Keep, Keep their families in your thoughts and in your prayers we need to make sure that this trial goes the way it should um in order to see justice for terrell and really the other victims that fortunately made it through i Mm -hmm. think that's that's awesome for them and i hope that they can live their lives from a whole new perspective but uh we i just ask that everybody whether you're spiritual and you're into praying pray for this family if you're not um just think about them um, this is not going to be easy for any of y'all to kind of have to relive this. And I know it's not, and you, you'll be in my thoughts and my prayers. And I, I really hope that everyone thinks of y'all. And, um, I hope I don't offend you with this comment, but please be with the thoughts and prayers of the victim's family as well. Uh, excuse me, suspect's family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I reached out to the- what he did was very shitty. And, and you talked about this in the book. He was still someone's son. He was someone's um, maybe brother. Yeah, yeah. You talk to the sister, and and just to be the parent of the other aspect is I, I do have a place in my heart for people that have to deal with that as well. Yeah, definitely. I um I haven't reached out to the to the parents yet. That's a little bit of a a sore sore subject. I yeah. don't have any ill will towards them at all. Of course, none not. actually. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not. a weird situation, and there's like there's it's, not a book on it. There's, there's not a, a book layers, on how yeah. to handle it. There's a lot of layers to this story too. But I did reach out to his sister recently this summer, Good. and it's been the best thing. Good. I'm, I'm glad that you were I able did. to do that, and I'm I sure she done. felt such relief from hearing from Man, you. Man, we have known each other for a very long time. Sure, and. Now we're just connected to this awful thing, this awful trauma. And so it was actually very cathartic to speak with her and have 
just know that there's another person besides my mom, besides, you know, the people who are directly involved familial-wise that knows exactly how I could be feeling or thinking. Absolutely. Except for on the other side. Yep. And there's a whole other story to this that from the feelings and emotions from the yeah, other she side could, of it. So every single person could write their own book. They're dealing with their own tragedy just like y'all are. Mm-hmm. So just think of these people. Um, even if you don't know Chanel, I can obviously by listening you can tell how, how how humble she is and great of a person. And just think of her. Think of her mother. Think of uh Eric, Terrell's father. Um I just hope that things go smoothly. Um we can put this we y'all can put this behind y'all. I hope so. I really hope so. And soon. Absolutely. I, I have a good feeling that things hopefully will turn out the way that they should. And we get this can be, be something where we, y'all look back and just get to celebrate Terrell's life, um, which I think y'all done a great job of doing. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming. I know this wasn't easy for you in general. I think actually uh, when I first started podcasting, you were texting me and telling me like, oh, this is cool. I've been listening. I really like the podcast. You're a huge podcaster. Yeah. You love podcasts. And then when I had Dylan on, we were talking about like trying to get you on here. We just didn't know what we would talk about. But I, anybody who listens to me, I want as a guest. Um, and then whenever you release the book, I'm like, hell yeah, let's do this. And mm-hmm. then. You were like, mm, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> and then when we were at the 806 uh, LMK party over at uh, Burger Theory not too long ago, I brought it up to you. You are like, I don't know, but maybe. And then Ty told me that he approached you and you were like, nope, sorry. If I do this, Landry, talk to me first. I'm going on him. So there's some loyalty right there. I'm glad you did that. Yeah, well, how I made that decision was because you told me about your rep. I don't know if you remember. There was a lot of drinks flowing that there night. There was way too many drinks that night. <laughs> but that's how you got me because I could feel for you. And I was like, well, man, because at that point you said you would be the first one back. I'd get my feet back in the waters of doing yep. this. I really love doing it. I just haven't been feeling it. And yep. I was just like, sold, sold. Okay, I'll do it. Damn, I got you <laughs> with the emotions. You sure did. So if you'll notice. And then I was scared. And then I was like, why did I do this? Now I have to be a woman of my word. (laughs) I'm glad you did. And I think it's going to portray very well to this. I'm glad glad I did too. It's been fun. I brought, I I, I was bringing this out on a couple of my episodes. And then I actually chose, we we have this flying in the backyard. I actually went and took it down and brought it out here for you specifically to see. So what you're looking at right now is just a, a plane, nothing on it, just a black flag. Right. Do you know mm-hmm. the representation of this? Nope. So Ty King, and I, th- I think you need to listen to the episode I had of him on my episode. Um, he's going to come back more for something lighthearted and fun very soon. But he struggled with some mental health um, and he's he used to do prior to COVID public speaking all across the nation on how to deal with that. But um, he brought up his own saying that is like something that I live by now that's called fly your black flag. Um, when I was struggling trying to get through with RN school, I didn't pass one of my tests and I wasn't quite sure how I was going to get through. I, I expressed it to him just in passing. And he said, man, don't give up, fly your black flag. Um, same whenever I just told you I didn't pass my NCLEX the first time. That's just why this whole podcast stopped for a while and then fly your black flag. So what that means is, is he always wears a black bracelet of some sort or a black watch. Next time you see Ty, look down and you'll either see a bracelet or a black watch. And he always has a black bandana in his pocket. 
this is something he created, something he made up that is like, holy shit, it's so cool. When you when we give up in life, it's the term is throwing in the white flag. Like that's what you surrender with in war, right? You throw up your white flag and you're surrendering. So when he's been at his lowest of lows, he uh, he wants to fly his black flag. What's the opposite of white? It's black, which is his way of saying you today sucks, but you can get through this. Um, so I was kind of wanting like for you and your mother and Eric and everybody else that was involved with Terrell as y'all are is you're, I know you're not having all good days, even two years out, you're probably still having plenty of bad days. Just thinking about this is try to keep in mind that I need to fly my black flag for Terrell. Um, don't give up, keep persevering, keep moving on. So find your black flag and fly that fucking thing as high as you can, which is why I wanted to pull this out for you to see specifically. I love that. Isn't that cool? That's really like cool. When he said that, like it, it's resonated with me over the last two or three months since I had tie on so many times. Like I wish that more people understood the term fly your black flag. Like I, sometimes I'll hashtag it on stuff, fly your black flag and people don't know what it means, but that's what it is. You know, share that with your mom, share that with Eric and share that with uh, Keyshawn and everybody else that's involved is kind of what that represents. Mm-hmm. And like, they wear their black bracelets. I mean, it's just, it's a really cool thing. And I, I hope that that's something that can reach out to y'all as well. It's, it, it seems so silly and so simple, but it, it really hits hard when you think about it. So. Definitely. I love the idea. Thank that's you for why, bringing it yeah, up Yeah, that's me. why I brought that out. I, I took it out from hanging in the backyard just so you could see that. So anyways, thank y'all for listening. Um, get on Amazon. Uh, get Until We Meet Again by Chanel Torres. It's a really cool, really easy read just to see what she was dealing with, what her family was dealing with. Um, as I reiterate, to keep them in your thoughts and your prayers. Let's pray that this goes the right way. Um, let there be some sort of justice in, in the strategy that y'all had to deal with. Um, we will see y'all again next week. See ya. Bye.